because classic attachment style data says 50% of people are secure. I don't know about you, but I'm like, hell no. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Where are they? Yeah. yeah like, where, where are these people hiding? Hey! <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Hello Goodbye. I'm Liana. I'm Jared. Today is awesome. I'm so excited about our guest, Dr. Diane. Um, we're going to try and keep this intro fairly short, although there's a lot to talk about. Yes. But Dr. Diane, if you're listening, we are so honored to have you on our show. We know you're really busy and it meant the world to us to come on and share your knowledge about attachment theory and how that you work with your clients. And um, she is at Back to Love Doc on Instagram. Her website is backtolovedoc.com. <sighs> Super, I'm like a must follow if you, even if you don't like love the Bachelor franchise and stuff, but like she does a lot of really cool like relationship education stuff mm -hmm. around like some of these reality shows yeah. that are dating and relationship based and stuff. And like, it's so funny for me because normally I fall in love with our guests while they're on our show and then like get so much from following them afterwards. Mm -hmm. And if people, if listeners remember, Dr. Diane is the one who was on Nick Vial's mm -hmm. podcast when we processed the whole Greg and Katie thing that yeah. you told me to go listen. Yes. And then I came back the next week. And then you were like, you're right. I was like, you were <laughs> right because Dr. Diane convinced me. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm just, it's like, and, you know, we talk about attachment theory all the time, and I I liked her perspective on breaking down exactly the origin of attachment theory um, and what it means, like, what each attachment really means and, like, how it is affected from childhood all the way to our adulthood. Absolutely. So it's just a great conversation. We can't wait for you guys to hear it. We do have some housekeeping, and then we have a lot of fun stuff in this intro. So I do want to talk about one of our sponsors, VFresh. I love them. I use their product. I cannot recommend them enough. They empower women to take back their vaginal health. Um, they have products such as VCleanse, which is a boric acid suppository that helps um, treat and prevent yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis. They have V-Tract, which helps keep your urinary tract healthy and your bladder function healthy. Men can use V-Tract as well. Mm -hmm. They have a wash, V-Gentle, which helps keep everything fresh. And then they do have new, they have a new product um, like post-coital wipes. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I think that's the first time I've ever said coital on the podcast. Good for you. Yeah, you really yeah, pulled that off. I did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... We would love if you could support them. It's a woman-owned business, um, woman-owned company. Natasha Samago has been on our podcast. She's fantastic. So if you want to purchase product, you're going to go to www.vfresh.com, V is V-E-E, -E, and use code HELLO2021 at checkout to get 10% off your first order. Absolutely. Okay. Now, the other thing is Patreon. Yes. So... We have, there are lots of expenses that go into putting the show up to hosting it, producing it every week and everything like that. So if you can, the Patreon is a way to support the show. So Well, and the Patreon's about to be hopping. 
That's true. There's a big, <laughs> there's a big fun like uh, drop happening on the Patreon yeah. soon. Yeah. So, so first of all, with the Patreon, I did add two more tiers because we've got you guys are signing up. We really appreciate it. And while you can make your own custom pledge, I wanted to just put two more tiers just to kind of give you more options. Sure. So we've got the supportive B, which is three dollars. We've got the sexy B, which is six ninety nine. Oh, I get it. Uh -huh. 69. <laughs> I love how we're still 12. And then we've got the Platinum B, which is $10. And we love you no matter what you pledge, what tier you are. Um, and every tier is going to get same access to everything. Mm -hmm. So as of, as of now. Um, and what is going on there in the next few days is going to be a handjob tutorial. <laughs> Yeah, so so can we break down the history of this? Yes. So on our last episode, as part of a story you were telling about someone you were dating, you mentioned uh, having exceptional skill in hand jobs, or at least that's what you were told. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I made, I gave him two hand jobs. Yep. And both times he came in a minute. Yeah. Or less. And so then you took this <laughs> clip of the video of us talking. And put it on TikTok. And it's it's going wild. It's got like over 250,000. Uh, we're views. heading to 300,000 now. Wow. And I love that, by the way, what's funny for me is I had a friend of mine from college reach out. <laughs> so like I'm somehow famous for being the other guy in this handjob video on TikTok. Well, what's funny is some of the comments are like, this guy in this video is dying. And just like waiting for that girl to leave. <laughs> so many troll comments and like yeah, there's, yeah, yeah, you know it. like stupid stuff or whatever but yeah. there are a lot of comments like what are you doing like show us like give a tour tu tutorial yeah so i purchased go ahead a <laughs> penis shaped soap thing item yeah sure that literally we just opened it up it literally looks like a penis it's like very veiny lifelike yes there's like it <laughs> like has every we, detail i'm gonna try which it which is important by the way what I do know. you mean you're gonna try it well i'm gonna try doing the video oh, I'm, I'm not gonna no <laughs> i'm not gonna stick it on my vagina i know i'm like well i'm like what is i'm gonna try it mean? no i'm gonna but, okay. try the the tutorial if it gets taken down we'll just do it again with like a banana or something okay yeah yeah, yeah. but like yeah, I'm excited. So anyway, we're putting that tutorial up on the Patreon. So if you don't have social media, um, you can see it there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're really, you know, this could be your new big thing. You could be like the handjob guru. <sighs> Honestly, it could be my proudest moment. I'm See, I'm excited. So something that you and I do is we'll like purposefully not talk about stuff until we're doing it. If we know we're going to do it on the show. Yeah. And this is like one of those things where... I feel like I might have things to contribute because I think like a lot of guys like, you know, don't like hand jobs or whatever. I'm someone who appreciates that. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to hear your techniques and ask yeah. you some questions. Absolutely. And, yeah, well, yeah, and I, and I kind of wonder if guys don't like it because it's never been done well. Like that's, that's what my true. last partner said to me is he's like, Honestly, he's like, I've never, he's like, when you asked me if you'd give me a handjob, I was like, uh. Like, ugh. Cause, yeah, because yeah, he's like, it's never been good. And then I, and then he was like, I, he's like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> and I'm like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that is coming. So, you know. That is coming. Support our sponsors. <laughs>
<laughs> Support our sponsors. Sign up for the Patreon. Follow us on TikTok, Leanna Joan. Follow us on Instagram at Hello and Goodbye Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Previously on Hello and Goodbye Podcast, <sighs> you took us on this whole journey with this guy, and then at the end of it, as per our last episode, he just ghosted. Yeah. And I um, upheld my not reaching out to him. Good for you. Um, and then he reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read you guys the text, and then I'm we're going to try and consolidate this as much as possible, although I feel like we could talk about it for 30 minutes. But, um, okay, so... He reached out to me six days after I heard nothing, like ghosted me. Mm-hmm. Um, the text goes, I'm sorry. I've been sitting with my actions and I'm honestly embarrassed with how I went about this. I had my reasons, but that doesn't mean they're justified. For what it's worth, never has someone come into my life and made such an impact. Take care of yourself, darling. And then put a yellow heart because my favorite color is yellow. Okay. So I looked at that and immediately sent it to Jared, Michelle, <laughs> and my sister. And I'm like, what do I do with this? And, and it was like all caps. Like he yeah, texted. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I got three different reactions. Really? Yours was, he's clearly saying goodbye. Like he's clearly like, this is done for him. My sister yeah. was like, I don't think it's done. I think he, she agreed with me because my thought was like, he probably isn't even offering to talk or get together because he's so embarrassed. He's saying he's so embarrassed. He probably is thinking I wouldn't even want to talk to him. Mm. And so he's almost like protecting himself from yeah. possibly being rejected. That was my thought okay. because, well, anyway, we'll get back to that in a second. And then Michelle was like, just follow your heart. Okay. So, your <laughs> so, so anyway, I um I didn't know what to do. I did wait to respond to him. Um, what the part the part that really threw me off, and I was talking to another friend that I had shared it as well, was the sentence before he said, "Take care, darling," which, by the way, I think is a little condescending. Yeah, I, I don't like it. It's, I didn't, it's I weird. Didn't, I didn't get it. I was just, see, like, when I saw that text as your friend, I was like, Why? I wanted you to send some, like, sarcastic reply, like, or just, or just never reply. Mm -hmm. Just, like, lame, whatever. Yeah. Like, this dude's clearly not worth my time. Yeah. But see, I think because you, okay, but you never met him. True. So you're. Did your sister meet him? No, but she was there when he called me one time and she really liked him. Oh, okay. So so you're you're seeing it from like you're reading his tone with what you have heard, what he's done to me. Yes, true. And I just had such faith in him that he wasn't this bad person. Mm -hmm. And um and I had actually just had a, a holistic session with my holistic healer. And we tested his energy, or maybe not his energy, but she tested whether or not my picker was right on this one. Because yeah. in the past, she's like, your picker's not on. Like, you, yeah. like, 
She's like, no, he's a good guy. She's like, but this has nothing. But what came up, though, is it has nothing to do with me. Mm, okay. So I felt I felt validated. Okay, like, he sure. is a good guy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not just getting played here. Like, something is off. Like, something is weird. Mm -hmm. And so to say, for what it's worth, never has someone come into my life and made such a difference. And then for the next sentence to be like, okay, bye. Yeah. It, like, doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So I responded. Instead, I didn't respond to anything that he said. I didn't say, wow, thank you for your apology, blah, blah. I just said, would you be up for meeting coffee or talking on the phone? Mm -hmm. He responded almost immediately. Yeah, I'd love, I'd like that. Um, when are you free? Like, I have some time tonight. Uh -huh. So then I said, um, yeah, tonight will work great. So I had that conversation with him before I went into therapy because I wanted to have, try and have that conversation in case it didn't go well and then I was in a safe space. So I'm in therapy and I get a phone call from him. And I looked at my therapist. She's like, if you need to take it, you can take it. And I decided to take it because, again, if it didn't go well, at least I would be like in a safe space. Yeah. So I answered it. And he was like, hey. And I was like, hey. And he was like, I just wanted to let you know, like, I just got a call from work and there's these winds, like storm or whatever. He's like, so I may have to, I may be called into work tonight. He's like, I should know by five. And I just wanted to call you because over text, it may not come across this way. And I want you to not think like I'm bailing on you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I appreciate it. Like I was very like yep. held back on the mm -hmm. phone and I just texted him after my therapy session and I was like, you know, if I sounded short, I was in therapy and I appreciate you calling me and letting me know. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, honestly, if you were short anyway, I wouldn't blame you. Hmm. And then I said, ha ha. And then we text a little bit more and then five o'clock rolled along and I hadn't heard back from him. Mm -hmm. So when he specifically said like, I'll let he, you know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Well, okay. yeah. Okay. So then I don't remember if I texted or he texted, but it was basically like, yeah, I'm working. And then he said, can I, I'm, I, can you meet later Sunday? I could also probably make tomorrow work. And I said, well, I said, I could probably do both. He goes, well, what's best for you? Uh huh. And I was like, well, I'd prefer tomorrow. I'd prefer to, to get together sooner than later. Yeah. Never heard back. Yeah. I called and texted one more time. Uh -huh. And I just, you know, and, and honestly, like my, it wasn't like a pleading, like, come back to me. It was like, just tell me why. Yeah. Why go through the effort? Like, because he's, here's what, you know, he's already used to just dipping on me. Yeah. So... He writes this text that you're right. It was a done. I'm done well, text. So I, Hold on. Let me finish. Okay, finish. He was right. You were right. It was a done. I'm done. I don't want to see you anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. And I I just, I, I kept saying like, listen, like, I just want to hear you out. Like, I just want to listen and be curious. Like, just tell me what happened for yeah. you. And he could have just not responded. Yeah. To the, would you like to grab coffee? Just don't respond. Yeah. But instead he went to the effort. Planned a time, called me to tell me he wasn't bailing, and then bailed. And I'm just like, I was just crying and like so 
like I went through this shit all over again. But but really, it was just just dealing with the same old shit. It wasn't like it what it didn't stir up something new. Mm -hmm. It just stirred up old shit, and it was like really hard to go through that. Yeah. And also, like now, I'm just like fuck him. Yeah. So it was really interesting a minute ago when you said. The first text he sent, this whole, like, never before has someone come into my life, like, blah, blah, immediately followed by, take, take care, care, darling. You were like, that doesn't make any sense. That makes perfect sense in, in my interpretation, which is the real meaning of that first text he sent you was just, I need you to think I'm a nice guy. Mm-hmm. That was the full meaning of the text. That mm -hmm. was his, like, he might not have identified it. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, that's why he sent it. That's why he, like, throws this compliment in there. And then with this, like, pseudo-romantic sign-off or whatever. Right? And, like, and, of course, then getting together with you, you're going to be like, so explain, like, what the fuck's up with this behavior. And he doesn't have a good answer for mm -hmm. that. But he really wants you to think he's a nice guy still. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There has to be a middle ground between what you're saying and and who I had learned him as a person in our short time together because I because I kept telling him like I never once was like I need you to fucking tell me like why the fuck did you do this yeah, yeah. it was just like hey like I just want you to know like I'm here to listen to you yeah I'm here to listen to you and I want to I just want to hear your side of things like I'm mm -hmm. not pressuring you none of that and I here here's what I actually think happened and you can tell me if you agree okay. with this or not but the guy that in June that we had our the episode goodbye for now where I took a break from the podcast yeah we slept together he did the same thing right he love bombed me told me all these wonderful things about me yep. that I was like the girl of his dreams we sleep together instantaneously turns off his emotions and is like I, I'm not into you anymore. Yeah. I just don't have any feelings for you. I think that same thing happened to this guy yeah. when we had conflict. Oh, we had We had conflict. Oh, yeah. It threatened the relationship. There was vulnerability there. He realized how hurt he could be from this mm. and turned off his emotions, turned off his feelings, and just forced himself or without even consciously knowing mm -hmm. just lost feelings for me mm -hmm. and then didn't want to see me again or be persuaded or possibly put himself back into a situation where he was going to get hurt again or like you said like make it you know have where me i would be yelling at him or something like that and I think I. Well, we're just. I mean, now that you'd be yelling at him, but for her, him just to have to like to have to own up to his to own up to actions. his actions, yeah, and be accountable for his actions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think happened. Is that I? I realized after he ghosted me again, like he just really doesn't even like me anymore. Like he has, he doesn't have feelings for me. He clearly like doesn't think that I'm this amazing person. That because if he did, he wouldn't have bailed. Yeah, and I think that's the hard thing. It's also weird for me because, like, in this story in particular, I feel like, oh, I've 
I've been him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there are women who have felt equally, like, confused and hurt. You know, like, the way you feel mm-hmm. from their sort of interactions with me. And... And so that's just kind of really interesting. But I think... Like, when we talked about that he didn't really, like, fall for you. He created this sort of mm-hmm. perfect image of, like, you know, it was kind of this, like, fantasy. And then, like, that whole thing shattered. And then he was like, oh, here's a real human being and not this, like, amazing fantasy, like, where everything was going to be perfect, like I had constructed in my mind. And, like, I'm less interested in that. And, again, I don't think he's thinking this con- consciously. And, I, and, I, I, and I'm also... All this stuff I'm saying, I'm not saying he's a bad person or a bad yeah, guy. Yeah, no, I don't think he is. Yeah, and I've been, I've, mm-hmm. I, I've been in in that pattern that I'm, like maybe suggesting may, might be going on here, mm-hmm. and so, and so I think like, I think you're in a really hard position because you are very like also very like open and affirming and you have a great like energy and you care about people and you're brave and you're willing to share yourself and you get excited and you show your emotions on your sleeve and stuff like that. And so, and so it's interesting that like you keep drawing these guys right now. Like flies. Yeah. And, and then reality hits. And they're like, I don't want to fucking do this. Yeah. And I wonder if like the thing for you is like to create for yourself some like healthy skepticism of like, okay, this guy is telling me I'm like the most amazing girl he's ever met. Like, is, is this about me? Like, does he actually know me? Well, but I feel like I did that in this relationship. Yeah. I was, I did have healthy skepticism. Like, I didn't, like, fall in love with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, when he said, I feel like I've known you forever, there was, like, a red light. Yes, right? You're already doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even a healthy skepticism, that doesn't band-aid the deep wound in me of getting abandoned still. Yes. So, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I can... I can continue to be like, we need to slow this down. We need to set healthy, healthy boundaries. And we could be doing that for a month and they leave and it, boom, I'm, I'm hurt again. So it, it, it like, yes, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And I could be doing more of it, but. Well, well it's, it's less slowing it down and more like discernment. And it's really fucking hard to do because when this guy was telling you, I've never met anyone like you before, like blah, blah, blah. Like he meant it. And so, like, it's really hard discernment to do. I know. It's almost, it's, you know? yeah, it's almost, like, manipul- manipulative a little bit, but he doesn't realize it. Yes. And, He's yeah. not, like, consciously, like, tricking right. you, but it is right? manipulative. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. We could talk about this forever. I know. But I want you guys to enjoy the interview. Yes. And, uh, honestly, like, if you guys have, we were trying to cut this short. We are the worst. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you guys have any ex- any other thoughts about that, like we could probably do a whole other episode about yeah. what happened. But basically where I'm at is like, I'm feeling better. I wrote a song. Um, oh. I am 
like I'm feeling a little bit better health wise and mentally wise. And now I'm just at the point like, oh, I stalked his Instagram again. I looked at, I noticed he had a story and I clicked on the story and I saw a picture of him and I was like, ew. Oh, good for you. Good. I was like, no, good. fuck that. Yeah. Like I'm not into that. And, um, and I just, I feel, I feel pretty detached. So. And that, that's where, like, where I was coming from in my response to when you sent me the text is like, because I love you and I think you're great. And I think when somebody demonstrates, like, I want you to have like a high bar, mm-hmm. b- like before I'm going to let you back in my life in any way, mm-hmm. like you have to show me a lot after yeah. like what you post. I love that text that you sent and that struck a chord with me. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, enjoy the interview. We'll see yes. you after. Bye. Okay, so today we have Dr. Diane, or as you may know, at Back to Love Doc on Instagram. For the last 20 years, she specialized in getting people back to love. Her goal is to help women find their happily ever afters using the best tools psychology has to offer. She has an undergraduate degree in psychology, a master's degree in counseling, and a doctorate in counseling psychology. She's written for Cosmo, Pop Sugar, NBC News, and Bustle about dating relationships and love. And we especially love her because she's the self-appointed bachelor psychologist. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Diane. We are so honored to have you. Thank you for having me. Before we get started, do both of you watch the show? Oh. Die hard. (laughs) (laughs) And then we've got lots to talk about. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So... He's actually more of the diehard than I am. Like if he wasn't in my life, I probably wouldn't watch it. But it is it is so fascinating, the social psychology that goes on in that show. And I loved your perspective on Nick Files podcast um, about the Greg and Katie situation, because we had completely opposite opinions and then he listened to you and he was like, okay, I agree with you. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was trying to be very neutral. I was just kind of showing it from both sides, but yeah, even my husband and I watch it and we disagree too. It's oh, like, interesting. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, Greg just needs them like throw him a bone, Katie, give him more. And my husband's like, he gave her plenty. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, and it's from our own perspective, whether we're anxiously attached or maybe we're a little bit more on the avoidance, we can see it differently based upon who we are too. Yeah. yeah. So, so I am curious. I mean, our, our listeners um, may not know a lot about the bachelor with the Greg and Katie, but just curious for us, <laughs> sorry, listeners. Well, um, no, but, but, but we, we broke the whole thing down on a previous episode. So our diehard. Well, actually that episode is airing after this episode. Oh no. <laughs> okay. But anyway, what, what if, so he tends to be more avoidant. I tend to be more anxious. So my anxious side, I actually sided with Katie. Okay. Is that, and then would you say flooding her or what did you think? I felt like he was selfish and he went in there, like he was flooded and he went in there. He didn't, he didn't want to hear what Mm -hmm. she had to say. She, I think she even kind of owned up to it and like tried to explain herself and where she was at. And I felt like he, like you said, he was like anxious, angry, didn't care what she thought about at all. And then I think on the after show, when she kind of went off on him, 
And he was just like, I'm fine. He's like, I don't regret anything. Like, I'm fine. To me, that shows that he didn't care really in that moment or even after the show that it really was just kind of more about him and his needs and not about Katie's needs. And Jared, and your thoughts? <laughs> I So watching it, I was very heavily like identifying with Greg of, you know, here is this man who sort of poured his heart out who, you know, like, you know, and they bonded over having lost their fathers. And that was a really fresh wound for both of them. And she gave him nothing in return. And that was like deeply traumatizing. And, and he became totally like flooded and dysregulated in that moment. And, and she was very like sort of robotic and sort of cold and not at all like, you know, and she was talking about the show rather than like, you know, this is how I feel about you and all these things. And so, and also, right. Like, Turns out he was right in the end when she was like, mm -hmm. I'm picking Blake and I'm going to say all these things to him immediately that I was yeah. refusing to say to you. But it was actually when I listened to you on Nick's podcast, Dr. Diane, and when you talked about that he went to this place that you called anxious, angry, mm -hmm. that actually was really a profound thing for me because I had a very difficult and tumultuous relationship in my life where I went to that place uh -huh. and it gave me a really um, important perspective on, on being there. And so I'm still sort of team Greg, but what I really appreciated and what you and Nick's conversation made me think of, think about in a very different way is that when he went to have the second conversation a day later, it's like, if you can't get your nervous system regulated to engage in this conversation in a healthy way, then dude, don't engage in the conversation. You know, like to me, if there's something that I, we could fault him for, it's that, you know, and, 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 and some of the things that he sort of went on to say in that conversation. Um, but I don't think, but I also don't think I, I, I don't think either of them are bad people. I think that's no, what makes no. it so fascinating. Yeah, I think that lends well into just the topic of attachment styles. So I can I can tell your your followers just a little bit about the theory to describe what the types are. Please, This is what I do. And I, I really just use the show as an example. And I get very clear. I'm not diagnosing people um, because, in fact, your attachment style is not a diagnosis. If you go to what's called the DSM, which is like the a psychologist Bible on, on different coding, a diagnosis is like a diagnosis with depression or anxiety, or you have narcissistic personality disorder. An attachment wound is something that you suffer in childhood, and then we see the manifestation of it, but it's not an official diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So I tell people that we're just looking at a set of behaviors, like anxious, angry, um, so there's four types. According to attachment theory, John Bowlby started the theory back in the 1960s, 1950s, 60s. He was a psychologist, a psychiatrist. Interesting enough, he was studying orphan children at the end of World War II. Do you know any of this? Uh, I don't. 
I know a little bit. Yeah. Good. Go ahead. Type it's great. Anyway, he noticed, of course, that if you didn't have parents that you attached with, how that would affect you in your adult relationships later on. And he goes on to call it from cradle to grave, meaning we establish patterns based upon our early childhood. The first two years of life are really the most important because that's when 80% of your brain is developed in the first two years of life. Then the frontal temporal part of your brain, which is responsible for rational thought, that is fully developed by like 28. So we get huge growth spurt. Wow. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't get married until you know what you're doing because a lot of people who like make early decisions sometimes can't think through the consequences. This explains so much of why I'm so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> now, and we all are. And, and here's the thing, too. It doesn't also mean that your parents didn't love you. It mm-hmm. means we're fragile. And what happens in attachment, the most important thing that if you want to raise a secure, functioning child is you have to be attentive to them and attuned to them. Meaning, I love you unconditionally. You have needs and wants. Like, I'm a baby and I'm crying. That's a crisis, whether my diaper's wet, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm cold. And if I have a parent who's attentive to me, I learn to trust. So my nervous system is not dysregulated. I learn that when I cry, mommy comes. When I'm cold, I get a blanket. Even as a parent, you say, oh, baby, honey, you're cold. I'll give you a blanket and you'll be warm. Child understands I shouldn't be threatened by cold because I can fix that. That can be fixed. Mm -hmm. So those wounds happen early. And it's mainly from inconsistent parenting or lack of parenting or abusive parenting. So... Dr. Bowlby went on to study, he primarily studied kids, again, no parents, they obviously had issues. Then Dr. Ainsworth came after him and created a fantastic study called The Strange Situation, where she brought children into a laboratory and studied observing the parents and the child, how they reacted to a stranger. So our attachment style comes out during threat. Okay. And with the child, the stranger coming into the room is a threat. Do I go to mommy? Does she comfort me? What then in the experiment, the parent leaves the child alone with the stranger. And we see when the parent comes back into the room, what is called reunion behavior. Because if I'm securely attached to you, I like go, I fall into you like, oh, thank God you're back. But If already by age two, you've been inconsistent, like there for me, sometimes not others, I'm pissed. I'm anxious, angry. Mm. I can't trust you. You have left me again, again. Mm. And we see this display of protest behavior, which is like the child like pushes the parent. You see kids with separation anxiety melting down because they're upset. And they'll like hit and push. That's what anxious, angry is. That's what protest is. Mm -hmm. And then you see, so that's the anxious type. That, according to my data, because classic attachment style data says 50% of people are secure. I don't know about you, but I'm like, hell no. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. 
Where are they? Yeah, yeah like where, where are these people hiding? We wouldn't have such a high divorce rate of 50%, right? We yeah. just so I said, I'm going to do a quiz. I'm going to do my own quiz. It hasn't been validated, but I, ha I have 50,000 people who have taken it. Okay. Wow. And actually, I'll get to that in a minute let, before I describe the, the numbers. So then the third type. Okay. So number one is secure. That's what you want to be. Number two is this anxious, anxious, angry, anxious, ambivalent. I call them nervous, nervous Nora or Nick. I created characters because I, I want to take the sting out. I don't want to pathologize it. But it is your nervous system that is wired to be that way. Third is more the anxious avoidant. I call them independent because that's what they want. They want their independent. They freak out more later in dating because I'm going to lose my independence. But in that parent-child situation, their parent wasn't really there for them emotionally. Might have been there for them physically but kind of a cool set of parents. Mm -hmm. mm, interesting. So the child is distressed. So how do we know this? In the strange situation, what was fascinating about Dr. Ainsworth's study is she hooked these little children up to a heart rate monitor and measured their cortisol levels, which is a stress hormone in your saliva. So because babies can't talk, we don't know how distressed they are. So. The insecure types are very distressed, and we know that through heart rate and through elevated cortisol levels. So like, for instance, the avoidant child doesn't cry a lot. I've already learned I need to be self-sufficient. No one's coming. Mm. If I cry, mm. no one's there. That little baby has crazy heart rate up, mm. crazy cortisol levels. Can you imagine that? Like the sadness, like I've been neglected, right? Mm. There, there's, and we cover it up then as adults. We say things like, oh, my childhood was idyllic. Oh, my parents were great. It's well, because there's shame there. It's hard. And, and if I can add one thing, right? What's true is that the baby or the child only knows this set of parents. Exactly. And so, and, and, they, and they don't have the perspective to be like, wow, this parent is not here for me in the way that I need. So it turns into like, there's something wrong with me. Exactly, Jared. That's perfect. That's exactly right. We internalize this. And the anxious child works hard in relationships. We try to people please. We try to like get on our, our parents' radar because I believe there was something wrong with me because my parent wasn't there. Maybe I had an alcoholic parent. Maybe I just had a ton of siblings. Maybe my parents were working three jobs. Again, doesn't mean you weren't loved, but now that's the pattern. So the whole point is, again, it's not a diagnosis, but it's a set of symptoms. And we need to correctly identify them to recognize how they're showing up. And then I have a treatment plan that I work people through about how to become more secure. And then the fourth type is called fearful avoidant. This is the most severe. Thank goodness it's not as common. This is about 8% of the population. And these are the kids who have been abused. Mm. So it's called disorganized, meaning like the kids freak out in this strange situation because I don't know if the stranger's a threat, if my parents a threat. It's like really chaotic kind of behavior. So thank goodness, again, it's not very common, but people like that are very confused in their relationships. I call them confused Connie or Connor because they don't know like who to trust and where to go. Mm. So they want closeness, but they they really fear it at the same time.
Mm. So unfortunately, I, the worst of both. Mm. I have a quick, quick question. So, um, so the secure child, what was their react? Their reaction was to go straight to the mom. So as a child, did they feel like they could cry and they felt like they could get their needs met and all of that? So, but then the anxious, did they cry all the time? Like they didn't feel like their needs were met? <clears throat> Leanna, that's a great question. They have trouble calming down. Mm. So what happens is their heart rate gets elevated and so does the cortisol. And like they're, they're inconsolable. Like at that point, it's like the parent is trying to console them, but they're so dysregulated, they can't calm down. Right. You know, We're like, <laughs> right. When you get so right. upset, like that kind of crying. Whereas the avoidant, the anxious avoidant, their heart rate and cortisol is high, but you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And so the secure child goes to mom when she comes back in the room and then calms down. Oh, right. And anxious can't calm down. Can't calm down. Yeah. And avoidant kind of is like, whatever, <laughs> like no big deal, right? Like the parent coming and going is sort of inconsequential in some ways. Again, they're stressed out, but we don't see the behaviors as mm -hmm. such. Okay. So, so we don't want to put too much. I mean, the, the, the theory is fascinating and people ask me all the time, can I be more than one type? And Jared, to your point, you only have one set of parents and one set of experiences. But then the question is, if what if you have split parents? I'll mm -hmm. use myself as an example. So my parents are Polish immigrants, had a ton of their own anxiety. Like my dad was at the end of World War II, parents went to a work camp. I mean, this is my father, not even my grandfather. And he had a lot, he was shut down. I mean, loving, but shut down. Wouldn't share his story, which is very typical for a trauma survivor, right? You don't tell your children these things. But my mother was very anxious. And so with that split, you're gonna take on the predominant parent, which is my mother's anxiety was, took over in many mm -hmm. ways. Very anxious about us being with strangers. I mean, I remember like I was scared of the mailman. As a child, like, why would I be scared of the mail? And my mother was scared. I mean, kids pick up on their parents' anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like, we had a lot of fear. And why I do the work that I do now is that even in my adult life, I had no words for this. I didn't know what this was. I am in therapy myself. I moved out to California for a guy. Didn't work. And I, I went to seven different therapists. Seven. And not a single one said, hey, Diane, I think you have an anxious attachment style. Wow. And if I could have like labeled it and put words on it and described it and said, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm overthinking. I'm overplaying this. I'm overacting. I'm doing too. I'm connecting too quickly. Like if I just had words for that, then I could see it somehow. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I could do anxiety treatment on myself, but I didn't even know what it was. Mm hmm. So now I'm like, okay, I'm on a mission to help educate people to understand this. It's not voluntary. It's, it's an involuntary thing that you do in particular in a response to threat. Mm -hmm. So our attachment style isn't showing up all the time. It's only when we're in hot water. So I say, you're like a tea bag. You don't know who someone is 
their or their flavor until you put them in hot water. Oh, that is hit so hard. <laughs> That's when you see someone's true flavor. But at the start of dating, you don't see that. Everybody yeah, yeah. looks good. Everybody shows up putting their best foot forward. Everybody can can fake it for a while. And then if I'm stressed out, I'm not going to let you know I'm stressed out, right? I'm going to like handle that on my own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can be a year in at least, right? Before you get to see who someone is. And as a partner, you just got to know, well, what do you need from me? Because they're going to need different things. The anxious person's going to need closeness, validation, reassurance. The avoidant person's going to need space. Leave me alone. You know, give me give me time to think on my own. I don't want to feel crowded. And I don't want to feel responsible for you. Mm-hmm. So then we get that pairing together, which is like the most common I see, this anxious with avoidant. And boom, there you go. And they both trigger each other. One has an abandonment wound. One has a, a flooding kind of wound. And so you see this interplay all the time. Hmm. Wow. It was such a great explanation because we, you know, we had someone else um, talk about attachment style. It's been like a year and a half now, but it's just, it's always, I, I wanted to hear your perspective on it because like you said, like the statistic of 50% of people being secure, like does not make sense because like not yet have I met up with a secure person off of Bumble, you yeah. know? Let's go over the stats. So what percentage do you think is the highest? Anxious, nervous, independent, confused? What do you think? Nervous. Okay. Yeah, I think nervous too. Yeah. 46% of women. 46. Men of are women specifically. Women. Well, most of the people who take my quiz are women. So I oh, have like- <laughs> <laughs> 46% of women, 43% of men. The next popular is the um, avoidant. Mm-hmm. There it's like 33% men, 27% women. Then comes secure. More mm-hmm. men think they're secure than women. I'm like, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're cheating. Uh, but anyway, you know, something I forget the exact statistics because I, I check on them periodically. I think it's like 23% of men and 21% of women. And then the remainder, I think it's like 8% is the confused type. Yeah. But we want to help people become secure. So that what what is the beauty of the model, even though we call it from cradle to grave, is that even if you had a bad start, okay, you could become secure together. Mm -hmm. One, you could become secure by going to therapy. Mm -hmm. You could attach with your therapist. Mm -hmm. But it's a long haul. It's This Mm -hmm. isn't short-term therapy. This isn't like I drop in for three sessions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I have, it's like, I have to relearn trust. I have to relearn that like not everybody's out to get me. I have to learn that like the world is a safe place. Mm-hmm. I have to create my own safe base. And so what I say is you, you don't need to be perfect, but you need to be secure enough. And then if you can attach with a good person, then you can earn your attachment. And that process takes about five years. Wow. It's not you know, overnight. I act to be honest though, that actually makes me feel better because I feel like I'm a hot mess 
Mm-hmm. The first few months of any, I, I'm divorced. I was married for eight and a half years, got married at 21, yep. divorced at 29. It was super traumatic. And yeah. I have not been able to really recover from the trauma. And I go into relationships and I was going to ask you your opinion on this, but when I, I'm obviously anxious, I obviously attract avoidant partners because that's what I'm used to growing up. That's what I was used to being married and when i when the first you know bubble is bursted of conflict yeah my, my i'm so scared that this person is going to leave me that i freeze and in conflict i i'm shaking i can't make eye contact i can't process anything i'm in like this curled ball i'm uncontrollably crying what what is it does that have a name <laughs> actually, it actually does um it's called polyvagal theory have you ever heard mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. okay so stephen porges uh came up with something called polyvagal theory your vagus nerve runs from your brainstem to your gut it is your autonomic meaning you don't have control over it response you've probably heard of fight or flight mode right mm-hmm. fight flight then there's also freeze and fawn. So there's mm-hmm. four Fs. The fight or flight is this, you're, this is a threat, conflict is not good. This reminds me of my old triggers of my relationship, not being able to fully relax with my parents too. And I feel threatened, you're gonna leave me. And I feel like, oh my God, I need to do something. So you become dysregulated. But I'm going to tell you something. I have a course on this too. You have to work on your vagal tone. Okay. So your vagal tone is like your muscle tone. If if our heart rate goes up pretty easily and we find ourselves like teeth chattering, upset kind of, then you need to strengthen that. And then the question is how? Mm-hmm. Meditation is great. There's something called VU breathing. So there's diaphragmatic breathing, which you like are expanding the diaphragm and relaxing that. That definitely helps. It helps to just reduce the stress. But VU breathing is like a long exhale. Um, Peter Levine has done a lot on somatic treatment. That means mm-hmm. body. We have to figure out ways to calm the body. So that's one of my four steps. So healing is going to happen from the inside out. And the way the vagus nerve works, because it's everything from your brainstem to your gut, you have to figure out how to calm your body down first. Because if you're upset, you know, you can't think rationally. Mm -hmm. Can't, right? It's impossible. So you have to calm down before you carry on. And that would be get control of your breath do some exercise. There's some yoga poses that specifically for the vagus nerve. Mm-hmm. Old water plunges. Have you heard Ooh, of this? Yes, we have. He's obsessed with it. This is the, <laughs> the, Wim, the Wim Hof. Yes. Method. Seriously, it's been proven effective. And if you, can't, if you don't have a cold body of water, you don't have a plunge, Take really cold showers mm-hmm. at the end of your shower. Marsha Linehan talked about this too for dialectic behavior therapy. If you're really upset, you know what you do? You put your face in a bowl of cold water. Plunge mm. your face. It sort of like shocks you back into normalcy. Interesting. 
really an effective technique. And she's been doing this for a long time with mostly people who have um, uh, borderline personality disorder, but she does it for addictions as well. And mm -hmm. so Kim Hoff and there's lots of people who have been working on this. Now we're just figuring out how to pull this all together. Mm -hmm. So the breathing, there's even a way that your inner canal, because your ear is also connected to your vagus nerve. You can actually massage the interior of your ear and feel it relax. What? Yeah, just Google that because I'm not telling people to stick your finger in your ear. Like, go Google it. There's a woman who does this this vagus nerve uh, ref, uh, reflex, like um, re release in the ear. All very helpful. Massage is helpful too. Reflexology, but you have to be doing these things to improve your vagal tone on a regular basis. Because mm -hmm. so that's step one. Two is like, I need to change my story of love and I need to change my story of my history. Because if I feel like I'm a victim, what do I look for? I look for me being a victim, right? Yeah. I just worm my own narrative all the yeah. time. So I do have to kind of look at what is my story about love? What do I believe about men and women and relationships? If I think they're never going to work, they're never going to work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we have a very pessimistic view of our future too. So I do a, a, a little um, inner child healing. I have an exercise to get in touch with your little you, right? Who didn't get what they needed. And then I have a, a step for your future self, like what a letter you'd write to your future self. Mm. Like once you get beyond this to, to be also more hopeful because we can get stuck. Anxious people, um, they're allergic to hope, I call it. Aww. Aww. <laughs> like, you want it, you're kind of allergic to it too, right? It's like, I want love, but I'm scared. Mm. Yeah. And that's normal because it's like you've been hurt before and you have to say, what if I tried to love like I've never been hurt before? Because I've got a new person here, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it is so hard. I know it's hard. I know, but you have to do. I mean, believe me, I got married later in life and I was a hot mess. I had a fiance. He cheated on. I mean, I dated hundreds. I got I mean, and, and that's why I'm passionate about that, too. I literally met hundreds of men. Wow. And I know what that's like. It's hard. But the good ones are out there. They are worth it. Um, again, I met my husband later. My husband was a widower. He lost mm. his life. Mm. I have two stepsons. Uh, you know, it, it's a beautiful ending. But if I had been my hot mess, I would have never found him or at least opened my eyes to see that. Mm -hmm. So the work is ongoing. Mm -hmm. um, then I say step three in the process. So one is your body. You learn how to relax. Two, re transform your old story. Three, you do have to work on your cognitions. So I'm trained as a cognitive behavioral therapist. We do have to recognize like that's an anxious thought. Like, oh, crap, there's no men out there. That's an anxious thought. There's no evidence that that's true. That's just your feeling or that's just your recent evidence of a few people. But that's unfair to say you're like you're extrapolating one piece and you're making some generalization, which is mm -hmm. not true. It's mm -hmm. not helpful. So you have to get in touch with your thinking. You have to think more rationally because the secure person does that naturally. Mm. And then finally, the fourth step is action. 
Because you can have a lot of insight, but if you don't make change and if I don't learn how to be vulnerable and learn how to talk about my stuff, you know, if I'm going to just ghost people and blame everybody else, I'm not really changing. Hmm. I really have to change my actions. If I want a new outcome and my pattern or my behavior is to check out and to not talk about it, well, I got some work I have to do, right? Mm-hmm. I got to learn how to stay present and I've got to figure out what to say and I've got to trust the system and I've, I've got to put myself out there in a different way. Mm-hmm. So you really have to like check yourself. Mm-hmm. And act differently because otherwise, if you're just super picky or, again, you don't give anybody a chance or you run the minute it gets hard, well, that's your pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dr. Diane, I want to ask because this is, and this is maybe taking a few steps back. uh, You know, we've talked a lot about on our show recently about how difficult it is dating because without realizing it, you may be sort of like replaying patterns that are just going to sort of hurt you or the people you encounter may be doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you have some blog posts and things like that about like, not like sort of trusting your gut. And so I'm curious, like, you know, for people who are trying to do this work or, or, or maybe even they, they aren't there yet, but they're out, like, how do you help people sort of recognize some of the red flags in others? Jared, it's a great question. I mean, here, here's the thing. A red flag for one person isn't a red flag for the other. And the problem is we are going to be attracted to the same type of person. It's unconscious, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I say the only thing you can change is your response to that person. Again, mm. there I go again. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. There I go again. I'm connecting too quickly. And then I have to catch myself and change that pattern. Mm. So just because, let's say, you're attracted to unavailable people, so was I, because my mother in some way had her own sort of narcissism in her anxiety. It's not just avoiding people who can be narcissistic. Anxious people can be very self-absorbed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? My mother was so absorbed with herself and her own emotions. And so who would I be attracted to? Of course course, all the narcissistic unavailable men. Mm -hmm. I had to see that, okay, It's really also what I'm doing. I'm abandoning myself. I'm not standing up for what I need. I'm playing into this. I'm like making them more important than me. How come, why am I doing this? I'm like, I'm not putting myself out there. I'm not saying what I need. That's the change. The change is in you to recognize the pattern and say, okay, I'm doing something different here. Journaling is also a great technique to keep you on track for those patterns. Like know what your patterns are before you even get into dating. So when it happens, you're not surprised. Mm. Have a therapist in your back pocket and then say, okay, help me to make sure I'm not doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hold your friends accountable. Say, it's not like, do you think he's great or she's great? It's like, do you like me with them? Or what do you see me doing or acting with them? Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're bringing out something in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I, on our previous episode, I was talking about a recent experience that I've had um, of where I did meet someone who reminded me a lot of an ex that I had in the intensity of how much he wanted to see me and talk to me. And, but on the other hand, 
it seemed healthier because there he was saying he really wanted to just get to know me. He didn't care about you know this the physical aspect of it as much and and he was giving me reassurance without me even asking for it and you know being really thoughtful and so as i started to kind of like freak out like oh my gosh like this is the same thing happening again i tried to keep in mind well hold on like it looks a little bit different it doesn't look quite as the same well unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, what happened is we got in a, a tiff about the vaccine and oh. um, which is really important to me. And we had kind of talked about it before, but it came up again and I didn't show up as my best self to the conversation. Um, and I kind of went into that polyvagal like freeze and um, he felt threat. He felt like threatened and hurt and he bailed and then ghosted me. And, and, and in my experience of it, I wanted to talk more about it. And mm -hmm. like, I apologize. I took responsibility. I sent him a text the next day. Like, I want to see you. I want to talk about this. I, you know, like you're more important to me than, than, you know, the argument was and never heard from him again. You know, and I get this all the time, Leanne, and I feel bad because somehow people like they'll beat themselves up about that. I'm like, you just got delivered the truth. And I will tell you better that you find out now, but you have a difference in values and mm -hmm. that will probably show up in other ways, too. Yeah. So you did the best. All I say is, listen, I knew by the time I met my husband that I was a good communicator and I could be a good communicator with lots of different people. Like that's my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that it's going to work with everyone because mm -hmm. they've got their own stuff and they've got their own issues. And maybe yeah. I remind them of an ex and they think, oh, crap, she's just like so-and-so who's right. going to be needy. And you want to talk about it, which seems healthy. But interesting enough, even on my love style quiz, I have a, a subscale, which is low versus high expressive. Okay. Mm. So some people, the high expressive wants to talk it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess that you're a nervous nor a high expressive type. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the low expressive said, I would rather get a divorce than talk about it. Mm. And they need more time. Mm-hmm. They get too flooded. You want to talk about it now. And so the problem we have in dating is we have this expectation that like, if you want me, you'll pursue me and you'll do it right away. And, you know, uh, oh, he ghosted me because he didn't respond in two hours. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. <laughs> Let's calm this down. Like you have to, there are individual differences. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean what you think it means. That just means, again, the person, they're not a, they're not a texter. Mm -hmm. They don't spot quickly. It doesn't mean you couldn't work beyond that. It doesn't mean they they couldn't be a good person in a relationship, but it's our interpretation of that. Mm -hmm. If you loved me, you wouldn't do that, right? Yeah. So we come loaded with a lot of expectations. And the problem is in dating nowadays, a lot of good people miss each other because it's like everyone's so wounded. We don't want to take risks and we don't want to put ourselves out there. And so I see more than anything, it's just a lot of vanilla. Mm. It's like everybody's playing chicken. I'll move when you move, you know? And it's like, nobody's moving. And like, nobody's <laughs> hand. It's really kind of blah. Like a lot of yeah. good Couples are missing each other because nobody's really stepping up and putting themselves out there.
Because mm-hmm. if there won't, and it's it's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really sorry uh, interesting observation. What what you've got? I was going to change gears for us because I know we're like winding. I know up we got like do you have one more question? Yeah, can I can I can I yeah, can I shift gears a little bit? Yeah, uh, Doctor Diane, I really want to talk about Joe and Serena on Bachelor in Paradise. Oh, okay, so okay, I can go there. I because I turned. I, I, I turned, cannot believe you just turned the corner there. Absolutely. <laughs> so I turned forty in February, okay. and I'm like way over attached to Joe and this relationship. And I think I was thinking about this recently because some of it is, I think you know, coming from like, like a family where there was a lot of dysfunction and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The first girl I ever fell in love with, I think I was so drawn to her because she was very sort of like healthy and secure and she was solid. She was who she was and was a caring kind person and whatever. And like, I had all this stuff of like, I'm too fucked up. Like, you know, and then when I got my heart broken by that person, it like reinforced all of this stuff. Right. That like, Oh, like, someone like this would never want someone like me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm so like overly attached to if Like if Serena hurts Joe, I don't know that I'm going to be able to deal with it. And I, I don't know if you know about this. Well, I'm originally from Chicago, but somebody sent me this whole thing about Joe. Do you know his whole family's part of like the mob? No. <laughs> what? Yeah. Just look up Joe Amabel. And his grandfather was like a like a mafia guy in Chicago. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, there's like this whole family business thing. So I'm like, yeah, the mafia is gonna go for Serena if it doesn't work out. Uh, <laughs> I can't quote all of it, but I looked at the story and I thought, oh my God, that's fascinating. But here here's the thing with Joe and Serena, what I really do like about them. I also love Marisa and Riley. Same. I there's good communication happening here. And I say, this is why I watch the show for these conversations. Mm-hmm. Like forget all the drama, you know, the Tia and all that other stuff is just kind of silly. Mm-hmm. But when we get to this, I mean, cause where else can you go? And you have that amount of time to join with someone from the beginning. Like yeah. you are fast forwarding your relationship by 100%. like, a year, yeah, right. If you're 24 seven with this person, you really do get to know them fast. Yeah. And I think Joe, right, we saw him kind of mopey from the beginning, right? He'd mm-hmm. fallen in love with Kendall, who I think um, I didn't see as much joy as now I see him with Serena. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it allows Joe to be Joe. Mm-hmm. And I felt like with Kendall, he needed to be someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but I think, and everyone's like, oh, he's 40 and she's, uh, no, wait, he's 35. 30, right? He's 35, yeah, yeah. yeah. 35 and she's like 23 right yeah she's not yeah but very mature very and yep. i think here is going to be more the issue of lifestyle and i think joe learned what he did i mean he was back and forth to la with yeah. kendall and because his family's in chicago he really wants to go back to chicago mm-hmm. and i get it and he felt like kendall didn't give chicago a chance so if serena would give Joe a chance and be willing to be in Chicago. I have hope for this couple. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, who wouldn't want to be in Chicago? Chicago's amazing. Uh, I love Chicago. The winters are really bad. Pretty <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> but the city itself is great. And there's just so much going on. It's a great, great city. It's, it's well, my favorite. 
and and I guess it's like particularly poignant for me where I am now because I feel like I've done a lot of work. So uh, I've been with my therapist, Dr. Diane. Like uh, it'll be four years in February. Great. Love it. And yeah, and so you know, and doing all of that, like sort of like watching my attachment stuff play out with yep. yeah. this person, right? And like we're in the moment, kind of working on that. And I think, I, you know, like why I love watching this relationship between Joe and Serena is that idea of like, I think I'm sort of like looking for something similar of like a, a person who is sort of solid and secure and, and you know, and, and I can meet them in that place because I feel like I'm finally equipped to, you know. You know, and Jared, what you said, I think, is a really important thing that sometimes the person who comes like from a one down and in therapy, a good couples therapist, we try to do something called leveling because that's not going to be a good position for you to be in. Like you have to own your strengths too, because otherwise you're feeling like this person is way above me, but they're in it with you and they're there to support you. And, and two is better than one in that way that they can really help you. And chances are just because they had an easy start doesn't mean they haven't also been hurt in love because we could temporarily lose our security. So let's say I grew up with super loving parents, everything was great. Now I'm thrown into the dating world and I meet a bunch of people who play me, right? Mm -hmm. I can still get hurt and I can still feel anxious as hell about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now at the core, I'm more secure. And the good news is I wanna get back to that. But I see also some secure people who have this idea that love will happen when it happens or it's gonna fall in my lap and they're passive in love. Mm. So it's not to say that they have it made. There's still the same characters out there that you could get hurt by. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? And we all just have to figure out how to navigate that and, and keep yourself intact with your friends, with, with your life, like to don't not to abandon yourself. Or the biggest thing that I see is I pretend to be someone else. I used to do this because I'm anxious. I don't want to be too needy. So I'm the cool chick. I come at it like, oh, yeah. But then what happens is stress shows up and now all of a sudden I'm super needy. Well, I'm going to blindside someone. Mm -hmm. I'm like, who the hell is this? Because I was faking pretending to be someone else. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. And the same thing, the avoidant person from the beginning doesn't ask for space and they show up a lot and they're texting a lot. And then all of a sudden they back off and you just blindsided your partner. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, like, <laughs> I've experienced that so many times. We were all just more legitly who we are, but we communicate. Hey, babe, it doesn't mean that I'm upset with you. It just means that I just need a little space, you know, then I'll be great and I'll come back. Like if we could just communicate during those tough parts, then wow, we would be onto something. Yeah. Well, I want to, like this is, this is so amazing. I'm obsessed with you. Um, like I want you to tell our audience where to find you, but super quick, I'm going to name, cause this episode is going to air after the finale, the day oh. after the finale of Bachelor in Paradise. Do you watch, do you look at spoilers at all? Um, I have a feeling I know who's going to get engaged. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to name a couple and you're going to say whether they're together or not or engaged. Okay. Okay, Marissa and Riley. Engaged. Uh, Joe and Serena. Engaged. Oh. Um, um, Abigail and Noah. Broken up. 
Okay. And who else am I? Oh, oh, um, Kenny and Mari engaged. Wow. Really? And what's the, is there any other couples? I think. Is Tia with anybody? (laughs) (laughs) I said Tia needs to use her head, her heart, and not her cuckoo. Uh, Oh, wait. um, Becca and Thomas. Oh, yeah. Becca and Thomas. I had heard rumors about them in particular. They didn't. They broke up before, I think, we get to the um, fantasy suites. But they are supposedly together. Wow. You know, Interesting. I have to be honest, I didn't, I wasn't really digging that couple. And then the more I see them together, though, I think they're very similar. It's kind of cute. Interesting. It is. Well, yeah. Becca came across as America's sweetheart from the beginning, but she speaks her mind. Yeah, she does. And he yeah. does too. And that's why I'm sort of like liking them now together. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like. He could hold his own and she can hold her own. So is it, is it, is it weird that I think there's like something I don't quite, quite trust about both of them, which I didn't used to feel that way about Becca. And now I do for some reason. Well, I think I had written about this. I think just Becca hasn't chosen well. Right. I mean, he was also with her first boyfriend. I don't know if you remember this for like seven years. Remember then she was with Ari and then they brought him back and there was this whole drama about that first relationship. And I'm like, oh, girl. And then Ari wasn't great. And then, of course, her the guy she chose, not great. So, I, yeah. Yeah. You know what I think is I think Becca wasn't allowed to show up as she was as yeah. The Bachelor. Like who she really was. So I think what you're seeing with her is actually her true personality. Interesting, yeah. But that's not what we saw on her season. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she's a great woman friend. I like the way she partners to other women, right? She checks in with Tammy. Hey, by the way, I want, I'm interested in Tom. Like she's, she's got a lot of women in her corner. Mm-hmm. So I like that about her, but I think with her man, she's a little saucy. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, yeah. I'm all for it. I'm like, yeah. You go. yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Diane, please tell our listeners where to find you on everything. They can find me basically at Back to Love Doc. So my website is backtolove.com. I have my love style quiz there. I also have a partner quiz, okay? So let's say you're dating someone, but you got to really know them. To answer the questions, you really have to know their family. So you take the quiz and it doesn't matter what they think they are. It's what you think they are. And then Uh, I give you a little bit of advice on how to handle this partner. But I'm actually right now working on a, I'm going to do an intensive PDF because there are 10 different couple pairings, the high and the low expressive. And, and I'm going to break all of that down and have a kind of like a book for people. Oh, wow. Okay. Right now I've got courses. So I've got yeah. a course to secure steps to be more secure for Nora. That was my first course that I launched um, this summer. Then I'm coming out actually this Wednesday, I'm launching the one for Isabel and Ian. And if your partner's that type too, that's for you. And then in January, I'm going to be launching the the next two courses for Sophia and for Connie and Connor. And um, I'm on Instagram. I live there. I'm doing reels. I had my fall hat on. I'm dancing to September yesterday. And, <laughs> you know, I like to, I like to <sighs> keep it fun because the stuff is heavy yeah. and yeah. That's just my personality, too, because I, I, I feel like you can educate by also entertaining. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes just like little snippets help people kind of get this better than a, a, a deep, complex psychological explanation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I'm like so excited our listeners got to get to hear this. Yay. This is fun. I love podcasts. You guys are great. Um, I love that. you're. I love the man woman perspective. I think that's great too. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Diane. We'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye now. Y'all, that may have been one of my favorite interviews Can we get Dr. Diane back, you think? I don't know. I would love to have her back. Yeah. But we just appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Diane, for coming on. Again, find her on Instagram at backtolovedoc. Um, You can visit her website, backtolovedoc.com. And there is probably going to be some extra stuff in the Patreon because we went way long with our intro, so we had to cut it out. So subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast. Um, you can visit our website, www.hellongoodbyepodcast.com to find our Patreon, to find our YouTube channel, um, to find all of our social links, to find our sponsors. You can find us on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Leanna Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.